All right, Exodus 23. We've been talking about laws for the last uh, few weeks. We've talked about the Ten Commandments, and we've talked about some other laws. We've talked about the laws that dealt with slavery and kind of maybe how we could view that in our modern culture. Uh, we've talked about laws about the death penalty that was called for certain uh, things that the Israelites had to deal with. Uh, we talked about some good practical laws last week about if, if, if somebody steals something, the penalties uh, that they have to pay back more than what they've taken. Uh, and just little things like that about protecting your home. Uh, and so there were some real practical things uh, mixed in the law uh, that, that even today some of the things that are laws are, are based on some of these uh, very ideas. And we're going to look at some, uh, what I would call tonight, some more pretty practical things, uh, but things that we don't just see in the Old Testament law, but some things that we see repeated to us uh, in the New Testament to remind us that these things are important to God. These are things uh, that we should carry out. Some of these Old Testament laws we do see repeated uh, by Jesus himself or by some of the writers of the New Testament books. And uh, these are things that we will see some, uh, some references to in the New Testament uh, tonight. So let's pray and we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you and I pray that you help me just to preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you, dear Lord. I pray that you help us just to understand your word. It's so important for us to, to be able to read your word and to get it and learn. And dear Lord, we don't want to just come here and read through it and forget it or, or just or just hear it, dear Lord. But But I pray that you help us to get your word. It's so important, dear Lord. And I pray whether we're here tonight hearing a sermon or whether we're just reading in our house, that we see what your word has to say, God, to us, that we learn from it, that we follow it, God. You're faithful to give us your words to live by and help us to be able to be obedient to read them so that we can live by them. God, help us on those tough things that we don't understand, those things that we're just not sure what to make of. God, it's not that we question your word or we doubt you, but God, sometimes we just don't understand everything, dear Lord. So help us to have understanding on the things that we don't and on the things that we just can't figure out uh, we just have faith and trust you, dear Lord, because we know that your word is true. We know it's right. We know it's trustworthy. And uh, we, we, we know it's of you, dear Lord. And so we, we, uh, we study it tonight. And I pray that you help me just to preach and teach in a way that's going to uh, bring glory to you and point us to Jesus. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Exodus 23, verse 1. You must not spread a false report. Do not join the wicked to be a malicious witness. Now, we see that in the Ten Commandments. I believe in Exodus chapter 20, verse 19, it talks about not bearing false witness. Uh, don't say something about someone that's not true. Don't try to uh, get someone in trouble. Tell the truth. Uh, and that's a very practical, a very simple thing that God has already told the Israelites in the Ten Commandments, but he repeats it to them here. You must not spread a false report. And do not join the wicked to be a malicious witness. Now, God points out the, the heart of the wicked here. They don't, they don't listen to God's commands. They are, they are all about causing trouble. They have no, uh, no care about putting an innocent person, uh, that an innocent person is punishment, uh, punished for something, even though they didn't do it. They'll tell a lie to get uh, someone in trouble. But God is telling the Israelites, don't associate with those type of people. Don't, don't be like the wicked. Don't bear a false report against somebody. Uh, don't be malicious toward other people. In verse 2, you must not follow a crowd in wrongdoing. Don't testify in a lawsuit and go along with a crowd to pervert justice. 
Now here we see a, a, a very practical instruction here. Don't go along with the crowd just because everybody around you may be doing something. Don't give in. Stand up for the truth even when it's difficult. And that's important for us as Christians to remember because sometimes uh, we may find ourselves involved with people or in groups of people or in a crowd that's saying one thing or going in a certain way. And it may be very easy for us just to fall into them and not take a stand for the Lord or not stand up for what is truthful and what is right for what other people may say. But these instructions that God is, are, is giving to the Israelites here are important for us. We don't want to follow the crowds, not just in a sense of a lawsuit of, of speaking truth of somebody, but I think this could apply in many areas of our life. We don't want to go along with the crowd. Uh, most of you, if your parents uh, have said this saying, or perhaps you've heard it, is uh, when you're dealing with your kids, if everybody else jumped off of a cliff, would you jump off of it too? Because they do something wrong and they say, well, all my friends were doing it. Well, it's easy to kind of go along with the flow and go along with our friends, especially when we're teenagers. And the same can be true for us when we're adults too. So we don't want to just go with the crowd if the crowd is doing something uh, that's not bringing glory to God or, or, or spreading some false words about someone. It goes on to say, Do not testify in a lawsuit and go along with a crowd to pervert justice. Now this is something that is important to God. God doesn't want to see uh, justice perverted. God is a just God. God uh, deals with those that need to be dealt with and ultimately will deal with those that need to be dealt with in the time of judgment. God will bring justice. And there are times in our society, in our culture, in our life where justice needs to be served. But when, a, when someone goes, let's say, in a testimony against someone in a lawsuit and lies on them uh, so that somebody who's, who's innocent is, uh, is, is, is uh, convicted as guilty or somebody who's guilty is let off as innocent, well, that perverts justice. Justice is not being served. The one who uh, may have done wrong that needs to be punished is not being uh, punished. And God wants his people to be just. He doesn't want them to, to, to wink at certain sins or let people off the hook or, or be too hard on people that they don't need to be hard on. Instead, uh, God wants us as his people to be just people in everything that we do. In this case, he's talking about lawsuits for the Israelites. Uh, justice is important uh, to the Lord, and one day justice will ultimately be served. The big problem probably that we struggle with is that we want justice to be served now. And we want it to be served in our way. We want it to be served in our time. And so it's easy for us want to see justice done. It's easy for us to want to maybe get revenge on someone who has done something to us or to someone who we love. But justice is the Lord's. And so we don't take justice into our own hands. We allow the Lord to uh, take care of that justice in his own time. Perhaps there are people in this world that do much wrong, and it seems like that they never get punished, that they never get caught, that they never have to answer for what they've done. Well, there will be a day that they will have to answer. There will be a day that we have to answer. And it will be better on that day for us to answer to the Lord and God say, well done. That person did wrong to you, did evil to you, but you didn't retaliate. You didn't seek justice for them. But there will be a day for that person who did whatever wrongdoing, and they will experience God's justice. We don't want to be those that stand before the Lord and God said, look, you should, have, you should have let me take care of this. You shouldn't have went after that person. You shouldn't have had revenge in your heart. You shouldn't have stooped to their level. God is a just God, and we need to remember to let God take care of the justice, and he will uh, do so in his time and in his way. In verse 3, do not show favoritism to a person in his lawsuit. 
Now, this is, this is good uh, practical advice. Don't show a favoritism to a poor person. It, 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 we may be inclined to, if someone is poor and needy, to, uh, to, to be a, a little more kind in, their, uh, in, in, in how we deal with them in a lawsuit to maybe make things go in their favor so they can win a big lawsuit and get a lot of money or whatever it may be. And God was saying to the people of Israel, look, just because someone is poor... You have to treat uh, the trial the way it needs to be treated. You have to make sure that, that the right thing is done, no matter what the status of the person. This was repeated a little further down. Uh, we see uh, just the opposite, where you're not supposed to uh, show favoritism to a, a poor person in another way. It says in verse 6, you must not deny justice to a poor person among you in his uh, lawsuit. And so we want to make sure that we don't ever show favoritism. Whether we're involved in a lawsuit or not, we don't want to show favoritism to one party or another, no matter if they are rich or poor, no matter if they are, are famous or unknown, no matter what color their skin may be. Uh, justice uh, is, is, is right for all. It does the right thing to all people. It's not based on how much income we have or the color of our skin or anything else. And as we live our lives, we should want to see justice served and we should want people to be treated Equally, We see that uh, in James, for instance, James chapter 2, verse 1, where James says, don't show favoritism. And so this idea of showing favoritism is not something we see just here in the Old Testament in these passages, but we see that repeated in the New Testament. And we need to be on guard that we don't show favoritism. It may be easy for us to do. It may be easier for us to look down on certain people, or it may be easy for us to show favoritism uh, to certain people. Uh, but God loves all people equally and, and, and praise the Lord that he does that and we should do the same thing. We shouldn't favor someone over someone else. In verse 4, if you come across your enemy's stray ox or donkey, you must return it to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you lying helpless under its load and you want to refrain from helping it, you must help with it. Now this is a tough one right here. I think if we, if we look at this verse in the context, it's talking about uh, helping someone's donkey, someone who is your enemy, someone who hates you. If you see that their donkey is in trouble, you need to help their donkey. Our first inclination may be that if we see somebody who hates us or has done us wrong in trouble, our first inclination may say, well, that's God giving them what they deserve. But in this case, God wants to make sure that the Israelites don't fall into that trap. He also wants to make sure that we don't fall into that same trap. This is far, this is far deeper than, than just a donkey. And Jesus elaborates on this very topic uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to turn there, you can in Matthew chapter 5. You'll see Jesus kind of talk along these same lines. Matthew 5 verse 43 is where we will start. That'll be just a little bit back from where we read this morning. Jesus kind of gets to the heart of the issue on the Sermon on the Mount. The same idea of, of being good to those who hate you and your enemies, uh, Jesus uh, restates that here for us in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 43, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be, excuse me, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? 
And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing out of the ordinary? And don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your Father, your Heavenly Father, is perfect. So here we see the same idea where Jesus is correcting a, a false teaching among the, the Pharisees and some of the people who were hearing him uh, speak those words. You've heard it said, Jesus said, uh, love, love your uh, neighbors and hate your enemies. But Jesus is calling the people there to love their enemies. That's the same thing that God has called the people to do here in this Exodus passage. He's calling uh, the people to uh, not retaliate against those who hate them, not retaliate against those enemies, but to love those enemies, but to help those enemies. So if you're driving by and you see someone that has done you wrong and they have their ox in the ditch, so to speak, that's a term that we see sometimes and use sometimes in our society, uh, we need to help them. That may be the hardest thing in the world to do, but you never know when that could make the difference. We never know. What if we, what if we lived by Jesus' words in that way? What if we saw someone who was an enemy to us, and instead of passing them by, we stopped and said, can I help you? Now that would be totally unexpected, right? Because, because even, the, even the other people of the world, Jesus said, would love those who love them. But what should separate us as Christians from the rest of the world is not only do we love those who love us, but we love those who hate us. We pray for those who, who persecute us, those who come against us. You know, oftentimes people that may, may come against us or may hate us or may give us a hard time, uh, it may be that they're going through something in their life. It may be that they've never really experienced love in their life. Perhaps uh, someone was mean to them. Perhaps they come from an abusive home uh, with, a, with a parent who is abusive toward them or a spouse who is abusive toward them. And that's, that's how they deal with everything. They lash out. They've never experienced love. But who's to say that if we didn't stop and help those people who come against us, that that may be the first time that they've ever seen love. You may be amazed at what that could do. You may be amazed at the door that might open. You may be amazed that someone who used to be your enemy may one day become your very close friend because you've loved on them. And we love on them not because we are perfect. We love on them because Jesus first loved us. We give grace to our enemies because Jesus Christ gave, gave grace to us. We were enemies with God, Romans chapter 5 tells us. But we were reconciled to God through Jesus Christ on the cross. And so next time we think about that, that enemy that we want to pass by, whose donkey may be uh, burdened down or, or may be laying down covered up with a load of things, uh, next time we see our enemy in a bad situation, let's say with a flat tire, for instance, or whatever it may be, let us pray to God and say, look, God, give me the strength. I want to love on this person. And when we love on them, let them know where that love comes from. And you never know what kind of impact that may have. Sometimes our actions, many times, speak much louder than any words we could ever say. Uh, so we need to be aware of that, just as the Israelites were to be aware of that. Verse 6, you must not deny justice a poor person uh, among you in his lawsuit. Stay far away from a false accusation. Do not kill the innocent and the just, because I will not justify the guilty. You must not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and corrupts the words of the righteous. Again, that's pretty, that's pretty good practical advice for us. Don't take a bribe. If someone, uh, if you're in a, let's say, a political office, uh, in an office where you are going to make a decision or vote on something that is going to affect a lot of people, and someone comes to you and says, look, I want to I give you this little gift of $5,000. 
I want you just to remember this when it comes time to vote. Well, now, can you, make a, can you make a reasonable vote there? Can you make an unbiased vote there? Can you vote with your heart the way you need to vote if somebody is stuffing your pocket full of money? Well, of course you can't. Of course you can. A bribe is going to affect the decisions you make, the choice you make, how you live your life because, <laughs> hey, that extra money is good. If you begin to, to make this person mad, then uh, you might not get that money, and that money's pretty good, so therefore you are corrupting uh, the system. You're corrupting the political system. You're corrupting what God has put into place for us to follow, and we don't ever want to take a bribe in our life. We don't want to take a bribe for anything. Hopefully, uh, we'll never be in those positions, but there could be a time that somebody is trying to win you over, not just with cash, but in some way, shape, or form, they may treat you differently or may do something uh, to make you look better in front of other people trying to win your favor so that you will do what they want you to do. And we need to be careful of those things because people will definitely do that. In verse 9, you must not oppress a foreign resident. You yourself know how it feels to be a foreigner because you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. Now, this is good advice because the Israelites were about to go in a land that was not theirs, a land that was occupied by other people, and God is reminding the Israelites where they come from. God reminds them of this, I think, a few different occasions here in the Old Testament, to remember where they come from, to remember that they came from a land where they were enslaved, that they are going into a land that God is giving to them, and they are going to no doubt encounter a lot of foreigners. Now, as we read later on in the next week or two and uh, 23, We'll see how God instructs them to uh, be on guard and warns them uh, to be on guard against these people that they are going into their land. There are some that God says he is going to completely wipe out. But there are still going to be others that are going to be driven out of land. the land. There are still going to be others that the Israelites are going to, experience, uh, to, to, uh, to, to encounter uh, as they go on this journey into the promised land. And God doesn't want them to treat them uh, in a bad way. He doesn't want to oppress them. He doesn't want the Israelites to become just like the Egyptians that they were freed from. He doesn't want them to use their power and to become proud and to, and to take advantage of other people and to mistreat them. God reminds them, don't forget that you too were once enslaved, but you have been free. And I'm the one that has done that for you. And I'm the one that is leading you to the promised land. That advice is good for us to remember too. We perhaps sometimes need to be reminded that we have been freed, not from slavery in the land of Egypt, but we've been freed from slavery to sin. Uh, before God uh, intervened in our life and, and we gave our life to the Lord and we accepted Jesus Christ, we were living in our sins and we were hopeless. And we didn't do a single thing in the world to deserve God's grace. We didn't do a single thing in the world to be delivered out of our life of sin. We didn't do a single thing in the world to accept, uh, to, to deserve, I should say, uh, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Oh, we didn't do a single thing in the world that would have made the Holy Spirit say, Oh boy, look how good he and she's doing. I want to come dwell in them. There's nothing that we did. Those things were all the grace of the Lord. It was the grace of the Lord that Jesus Christ came to die for us. It's by the grace of the Lord that we were able to hear his word, that someone was able to speak God's word to us, or we were able to read it, and the Holy Spirit convicted us, and we were able to accept Jesus Christ. It's by the grace of God that through accepting Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit indwells in us. 
And all of those things are by God's grace because we were delivered, not because of what we have done, but because God is gracious to us. And we will one day go into a promised land of sorts as we make it to heaven when we make it to be with the Lord. But while we're in this land that we're in, on the journeys that we go through in this world, we don't need to forget where we have come from. We don't need to forget the grace that we have received. It's so easy for us once we've received that grace and maybe we've been walking with the Lord for a while. Maybe we've forgotten just how bad we were and still maybe how bad we are. And we may be quick to judge other people. We may be quick to look down on other people and say, boy, they need to change. Boy, shame on them. They shouldn't be doing that. Well, the same grace that saved you is the same grace that's going to save them if they accept Jesus Christ. And we don't need to forget where we've, where we've come from so that when we encounter other people, we don't come to them condemning them, but that we come to them with love, that we come to them with the same truth of Jesus Christ saying, look, I was a sinner and I'm saved by grace. And God loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to save you by the same grace. They're no more deserving of it than we were, but praise the Lord that he loved us enough and praise the Lord that he loves them. And once he saves us and gives us that grace, he calls us to go and reach the rest of the people in that world that he also wants to receive the same grace as us. So let's be gracious when we leave this place tonight. Let's pray. God, we come to you and we thank you for these words, and I pray that we would live by some of these practical instructions that we see both here and then uh, we're reminded of them in the New Testament, dear Lord. Help us to, to love our enemies, and that is a tough one, dear Lord. It's so easy for us to want to walk by and and maybe avoid certain people. God, it is for me. I don't know about anybody else, but help me, to, help me to love people that maybe don't love me back. Help us all to do that, dear Lord. Help us to be good to people. God, maybe even this week you're going to let us encounter a situation where we're going to see somebody that needs help. Let us do it. Let us help them, dear Lord. Let us love them. Let us pray for them. Let us, let us be there for them, dear Lord. Even if they hate us, we're going to love them back, dear Lord, because you loved us when we were your enemies, God. And I pray that you would just... Uh, help us tonight to remember these words, to remember uh, where we came from, to remember that we don't need to show favoritism, dear Lord, that you love us. You love us equally. You love everybody, God. Your kingdom's going to be made up of people from all uh, different walks of life, some that were rich on this earth, some that were poor, some that were tall, some that were short, uh, some that were, that were the most brilliant people in the world, some uh, that maybe weren't as educated as others, some that were of one color, some that were of another. Dear Lord, your kingdom is going to be made up of all people. And we're all the same, dear Lord, if we've been washed by the blood of Christ. We are all your children. So help us not to show favoritism in anything that we do, dear Lord. Help us to speak the truth and not speak falsely of people, uh, but just to, just to live for you in a world where maybe the rest of the world goes one way or tries to get us to go in a separate direction or tells us that we're wrong or that we need to change what we think. Let us not follow the crowds, dear Lord, into wickedness and wrongdoing, but let us stand up for you in all that we do. And while doing it, God, let us not forget where we come from. God, we receive grace that we didn't deserve, but we thank you for it. And I pray that you remind us of that as we see other people in the world, dear Lord, to know that they're living in darkness. They don't know better, so many. God, they, they haven't seen the light. So let us be a light for you so that we go out into the world, we bring that grace, we bring that light to them, and they repent, God, and turn to Jesus Christ. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.